The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Ben Simmons. Mark Wahlberg, welcome to the BS Report. However, we were just talking Boston before we went on, and uh, Tom Brady and you just lit up. Everyone thought Tom Brady was done. Oh my god! This is great. It it's been a great crazy. five weeks. Literally one game and every single news story. And I was actually, after it happened, I was in New York. Yeah. So, of course, they were ecstatic, right? Anybody who's a, a Jets fan, especially. And, you know, whether it be the Post or the Daily News or the New York Times, they were just right. ripping on him. End of an era, end of a dynasty between him and Belichick. Yeah. One game. And then, you know. Trying to trade him. In roll, yeah, in rolls. Just cut him. Put him on, you know. Garoppolo time. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, uh, and you know, in rolls the Bengals and. You know, it seems like the rest is history. Well, we both grew up there, although I eventually left and then came back. But um, Boston gets a little negative at times. I really thought when we won a million titles in one decade that that might change it, but it's it's still there. All I guess it's DNA, I guess. All four teams? Yeah, the DNA no. never goes away. No, what should have ended is after after uh, the curse ended with the Red Sox. It should have been it. It should have been it. I mean, for me, it was. Even when they beat the Yankees being down 3-0. Yeah. I was happy if they didn't if they didn't sweep the Cardinals. I was fine. I mean, right. they, they had to to finish the job, but coming down three zero and beating the Yankees, it was it was just amazing. That was the best. It was. That a was lot of, a lot of my friends from New York were walking around with pink Red Sox hats for for two weeks after. <laughs> well, that was an interesting subplot that came out of two thousand four. Was the bandwagon got really crowded? Yes, and. Yeah. I, I don't know how I felt about that. It was more fun from yeah pre two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, you know, but uh, you know, but then if you think about like what happened with the marathon and stuff, I mean, you know, people really rallied back. around Boston. So you yeah, know, yeah, you know, Boston strong is uh, it's not to be taken lightly. So you were saying you go back every once in a while. That people film a lot of movies in Boston now, which is nice for you. Yeah, I just shot another movie there. I shot Ted Two, and uh, we have an amazing performance by none other than the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom, Tom Brady. Brady's oh, he's movie. branching out. Tom's in the movie. Uh, he plays. <laughs> himself but he does an amazing job the funny funny moment uh, he plays himself he doesn't play like tom grady no now, there like were moments where i would oh, i was always improvising yeah when uh doing the scene with him so there are times when i'm like supposed to be a super fan so i'm trying to calm myself down yeah uh before i knock on his door but i'm pretending that i don't know who he is and I keep saying yeah, he looks like different people. And then, of course, I'm playing an air conditioning guy, so I'm asking him to sign the paper. And then I said, "Can you sign that to me and Ted? And you know, put number twelve there. And can you put Eli Manning socks? And can you put uh, Wes Welker's a traitor? And you know, and we just kept playing around and playing around. I'm staring at his eyes. I'm like, oh my god, they're really they're bluer than you know. He's so uh, handsome and tall. They're bluer than yeah, they're bluer than um, Daytona Beach and you know, my MTV Spring Break. It was like, but he did a great job. Really funny. And then we got Gronk. Uh, we got Ridley and we got Edelman all in the Entourage movie. And Tom's in the Entourage movie, so I got him in two movies. It's going to be a yet? big summer for those guys. Do you have a rating yet for that Entourage movie? Because I've been hearing that uh, it, it might be a little higher than an R. No, we would definitely we can't go with an you can't, NC seventeen. You can't no. go with NC seventeen. No, right? it's way too. I heard it, it pushes the envelope. Word it on the street. It pushes the envelope, but it also you know it, it has everything that the show encompasses and everything that everybody loved about the show. It's got heart, emotion. Uh, all the guys have a great story, and of course you have all the eye candy, all the things that all the guys enjoyed most. But a uh, strong female character as well. It's going to be a monster hit. I mean, Doug Allen just did an amazing job. I invited KD and a bunch of people over to come and see the movie, and people just flipped. For it. You that's basically your thing, right, Entourage? Like you control 
what happens with uh, whatever or no? No. I mean, you know, I was the one who was really pushing to get the movie made. After You're one of the, the producers. Series. Yes. I, I produced it. You know, it was our idea. We brought uh, – Doug came on board, who was uh, best friends with Steve Levinson, who's my producing partner. Yep. Doug came in and wrote the pilot and wrote every episode almost of the show, knocked it out of the park. He's the one who wrote the movie and directed it. Uh, he's the one who's been coming up with most of the interesting ideas along the way for the eight seasons that the show was on the air. But, um, you know, for me, getting the movie made was also always something that I wanted to do. Yeah. And it was an uphill push. But uh, I know everybody now is happy that we did it. The reason I asked is I've been saying this for a couple of years on my podcast. I don't understand why Entourage had to go away. Why couldn't it have just come back with different people? Why couldn't you just run it back with like a rapper trying to be an actor or just have a different set of people but call it Entourage? And maybe well, you they, keep Jeremy Piven's to, character yeah. and that's it. I mean, they're trying to do different things like that. I, You know, I don't know. We we felt like it kind of it run its course. Um, you it know. ran its course with those characters. Yes, but you know the movie will come back now, um, and then hopefully there'll be there'll be room to do a couple of different movies. But they are trying different networks and different people are trying to do the basketball version of it. I saw a poster for this this kid getting on stars. A yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, Chris Albrecht used to run HBO, and now he's at Stars. Um, but we have another show. That's you could say is loosely you could loosely compare it to Entourage, yeah. uh, but you also could compare it to The Wire. Uh, it's starring Dwayne Johnson called Ballers about football players' lives off the Peter field. Peter Berg's involved in that. Peter Berg directed the pilot, who directed yeah. Lone Survivor. Um, you know, Pete is a, is, is a dear dear friend of mine. He's yeah. a friend of mine as well. Is he in your top three characters that you've crossed paths with, and as as you've become a bigger and bigger actor? Uh, yeah, I, well, he's definitely the, the the most interesting director that I've ever worked with. I've never had to put uh, any other director that I've worked with in a guillotine choke <laughs> on more than one occasion. After reading him a beautiful prayer book out of my my, my prayer book, right? Um, but you know, that's uh, that's Pete. You know, he. Uh, and then, you know, of course, comes to my son's football game the next day, and then we're back on the plane, back on the set, and did an amazing job with Lone Survivor. He's a passionate guy. I love Lone yeah. Survivor, and I, I asked if I could help in any way, and he's like, well, we need a blurb for the trailer, and you're the only writer who's seen it. Why don't you use that? And then they proceeded to use that all the way through when the movie came out, and I said something like the most extraordinary movie, war movie since Saving Private Ryan, which then, for one football weekend, was just over and over and over again, and now it's become a running joke for with my friends. Yeah. Anything yeah, I, like anytime that. I like a you, restaurant, you, you, get, a quote, you get a quote like that, yeah, you take it and run with it. A blurb. Yeah, it was good. There, was, that the, was that the most... Uh, What's the right word? Arduous filming you've had for a movie? Uh, it was. I mean, there are other ones that were f really physically demanding and emotionally draining. Um, like what? Whether it be the fighter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shoot, training four and a half years to get that movie made. Perfect Storm was a hard movie to make, uh, being in the water all that time. They're all, they all pose their own different challenges, but certainly there was, n there was never been as much pressure to get it right. Um, within the SEAL community, off right. of Marcus Luttrell, for all those guys who didn't make it off that mountain, um, his team members all the other guys who were involved in the rescue attempt. So, uh, you know, and I've never had a more sense of pride um, and, you know, accomplishment, making sure that when, when they saw the movie that they were happy about the, the end result. So this is a weird thing to say to somebody because when people say it to me, like they're like, my favorite column is blank. I'm always like, well, why didn't you like the others? So I always take <laughs> you take a praise personally. I thought that was your best movie. What do you think your best movie was? Uh, it's 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 definitely up there. Um, uh, I'd say it's Lone Survivor. Um, I, I'm sorry, fighter. I phrased that wrong. I thought that was your best performance oh, in a movie. Yeah, I'd, I'd say you know with that, um, uh, the fighter, Boogie Nights, 
Um, well, you know, Boogie Nights, that's my movie. Yeah. Fear. I mean, I've had different, very different. I'm lucky because. Fear. You know, interesting. If you threw fear in If there. you compare. Well, it was the only time I really played a bad guy. You so played a I psycho. do something like that soon. But, um, but, you know, to have or to compare, you know, my resume to like your record in sports, you know, you're lucky to be hitting 300, right? And, yep. and for me, I've had more good ones than bad ones. And it's never for lack of effort because we're always going out to try to make the best possible version of or tell the best possible version of that story. It doesn't always turn out that way. Mm. Um, but, you know, I've been lucky. I've made a lot of good movies. You've been around now. I mean, you've been making movies now for almost 20 years. Boogie Nights was like tail end of 96, right? Yeah. Beginning of 97. Yeah. yeah. Paul Thomas and I were both 25. Two kids just left alone to do their thing. I remember when you got cast for that. Initially, that was going to be a Leo movie. And I think yeah. he chose Titanic. Yeah. And your circle and Leo's circle were kind of... I wouldn't call you rival circles, but you were both kind of out in LA in the mid nineties. I'm sure. Yeah. Even though we were friendly because we worked together, you know, we worked together on, uh, on basketball Basketball diaries Diaries, and he actually recommended me to James Foley for the movie fear. Yeah. He had a meeting with him and Foley and he was like, you should hire Mark Wahlberg. He was like, who's that? Cause after I did, I did Renaissance man, basketball diaries and fear, but none, none of the movies had been out yet. Yeah. And so he didn't know who I was. Uh, There's a meeting for fear. He didn't know who I was. And Foley was like, who is that? He's like, you know, the guy, Marky Marky. He was like, what? He was like, I'm not putting Marky Mark in this movie. So I was like, I'm telling you, dude, I just work with him. You should meet with him. He'd be great in this movie. So I met with him. He was like, oh, we spent eight hours together hanging out in New York City. He called me up that day. He said, look, I can't put you in this movie, but I'd love to, you know, still be friends with you. And maybe I'd give you an audition for one of the smaller parts. I said, sure. So I came in and read, but I was reading for the lead because mm. the other parts were only like two or three lines. That day, he said, if he called Universal and, and uh, Brian Grazer, he said, if you don't cast Mark Wahlberg as the lead in this movie, I'm not making the movie. Wow. And they were like, what? So that's all kind of how that how happened. Much- so it was funny because I was also driving around Santa Monica. I'm letting Jim Cameron, I was meeting Jim Cameron for Titanic. And I'm like, dude, let me drive your Hummer. All I want to know is about the Hummer, right? And right. stories with Arnold. So I'm driving the Hummer all around Santa Monica, jumping over curbs and everything. So then Leo was in talks to do the Bo- Boogie Nights and it just kind of went the other way. How much improvising was in Boogie Nights? Because it seems like it was there was an incredible amount of just you kind of knew what the scene was. The camera went on, and a then lot. you ad libbed a lot. But I mean, it was, it was such a well written script. It was like yeah. when I first read it, I was like, "Oh my god!" I read, I, I was reluctant to even read the script just because of the subject matter. Um, you know, uh, what was that movie? Uh, Showgirls had just come out. And that oh was no! A huge yeah, disaster. Yeah, and you know, coming from the underwear background, the music stuff, I was like, ah, "I don't want to do this." you know, pornography and all that stuff. But it was, there was just so much hype around the script. So finally I started re- reading it. I got 35 pages in. I just put it down. I said, I got to meet the director. I said, this is a guy who wants me to finally take the Calvin Klein's off or this is the guy who's going to make a really serious movie. And there was so many great talent. There was so much greater talent attached to it. Sean Penn was attached to the Alfred Molina role. Robert De Niro was in talks at one point. Sean Penn? Remember, yeah. So then I went and met Paul and I said, absolutely, I'm in. And uh, that's how that happened. One of the most loaded casts. Yeah. But there was, there was, so there were times where we would improvise a lot, like all the interview stuff, all the documentary stuff. Yep. That was all just kind of on the fly. But then there was so much great stuff that was written. Paul's one of the best writers in the world. So would you say he's a genius? Paul? I, I, yes. I mean, I can't wait. That to word see gets him. thrown around too it much. Does. But... It does. It gets thrown uh, very often. But uh, yes, I would have to say that, yes, he, he definitely fits that. So you could see it that whole time. 
Yeah, when you work with whether it be Paul Thomas Anderson, Maurice Scorsese, David O. Russell, you know, I would put James Gray, who really hasn't had the commercial success um, that those guys have had yet. But I think he's an amazing talent as well. And you know, I've, I've, been, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of people. I mean, yeah. with Seth MacFarlane, you know, one of the great comedian, you know, comedic minds of all time. Right. You know? So I've been very lucky. When did you feel like the Marky Mark thing was just? not mentioned anymore like that was it you didn't have to keep proving that you you were an actor now uh was there well, a year boogie nights was was certainly a, a a good step in the right direction i just i just always kept my head down and yeah you know it was always about the work uh, i couldn't control what people were going to think or how i was being perceived if i'll go to boston or i'm in new york people still will call me that you know uh, certainly people in our age group right um but it's all good i said hey you know, this is what I want to do. I know it's not something that I'll be able to accomplish overnight as far as being taken serious. Yeah. But I'm in it for the long haul. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Let me just do one movie at a time, one roll at, roll at a time. And, uh, you know, 20-some odd years later, I'm still getting a job every once in a while, so I'm happy. The Departed was a great movie. And it's aged very nicely on cable, which is one of the ways I rate my movies. Yeah. I like to, you can just jump in at any time. I actually think Rush is like that now on HBO, the Ron Howard racing yeah. movie, where it's just like any point you can jump in. And I really enjoy The Departed. Nicholson's accent, I can't get past. And I really am disappointed in you that you didn't intervene. You know, it, it's not really. <laughs> it, there was there was a bunch of accents that were not very good in that movie. Could you have been the Boston accent specialist and just worked with I everybody? I tried to look. Here's a like when we did Perfect Storm. Yep. Clooney was really smart. He didn't do an accent. Right. He was like, if it's not going to be perfect, that's you better the way to do not it. Doing just it. don't do the yeah. accent if you so can't. So then, do it. and there's been a lot of bad Boston accents out there. But then yes. with this movie, you know, I'm in for five, six weeks. I'm coming in and out. Matt Damon and I were sitting there scratching our heads, saying, you know what? You know what's going to be? We know what's going to happen with this movie. They're going to think that our Boston accents are so bad because everybody else <laughs> kind of sounds the same. But um, everyone does like this weird version of JFK. Cop. Yeah, the cop and the, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. yeah, and it's yeah. like. To me, it's like the Boston yeah. accent. It's about attitude. Yeah. It's not about being suddenly JFK. It's just about what do you, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. you just have an edge to it, yeah. which is why Damon and Goodwill Hunting just nailed the accent. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't hard for him to do, but that's what yeah. Boston Seth MacFarlane like. does a great, great Boston accent. Really he good. And, he and I are doing the same thing, and Ted and everybody else are just kind of, except for Tammy Lynn, um, everybody else just kind of has to be neutral. How did he know how to do the Boston? Is he just like, a, like crazy with He's accents? Yeah. yeah. He could do any voice. Right. I mean, he does, I think, nine voices on his shows. Um, you know, and he, when he's off camera, he's doing all types of different voices playing around. So I wrote this whole piece in April about the Action Hero Championship belt and about all these different people who have kind of become the guy. Like Liam Neeson is the guy right now. I felt like there was like a year there when you did Shooter where it just felt like you could have done three of those a year and just you could have been on an airplane killing people. You could have been protecting the president. You just could have kept cranking those out, getting a big paycheck. Is it hard to resist doing movies like that? Uh no, I, I just always want to mix it up. I don't right. want to be told, okay, this is the kind of category and this is the box that we're going to put you in. Um, you know, I did Transformers, and it was a very specific choice. I had a great time working with Michael Bay on Pain and Gain. Um, it allowed me to do smaller movies like The Gambler, which I have coming out in December. Yep. So I try to mix it up, but I don't want to just be told, okay, you're the guy with the gun. Like, I wanted to do comedy for a long time, but I waited for the right opportunity. Mm. And then I did that small part in Date Night. That went over well. And then Will Ferrell and Adam McKay came and wrote this great part for me and the other guys and that worked out good and then Ted came along and that's the biggest R-rated comedy in the history of film yeah 
at the box office. And so, you know, I just kind of keep switching it up. You know, I want to do really serious dramatic stuff. I like the action stuff. Um, but, you know, it's, it's tough, especially if you become successful in the action world and you start to get older. Uh, you know, when you go now and you talk about how you rate movies looking back on cable, yeah. go look at some movies that are on cable right now with some older gentlemen and, and they don't hold up too well. Yes, yeah, Stallone's been cranking out a lot, but I support, I'm, I'm a full supporter of Stallone. Stallone. If he wants to keep making them, what I'm you, in. What you have to understand about Stallone, which I have had a tendency to forget um, coming up because, you know, you're always saying, why are people doing movies like this? You know, they had this great career or why mm-hmm. is this person doing that movie? You know, and for my own selfish reasons, Stallone wrote Rocky. Right. He wrote and directed the other Rockies. I mean, the guy, you know, he's he's a, a f- phenomenal talent, you know. Um, maybe he had, he didn't have such good luck going into, like, comedies with Mama on the Train or whatever. But, right, yeah. it happens. But, you know, you can't forget about, you know, this guy creating his own destiny and the way that he did and how talented he is and the fact that he's been able to do it for this long. Well, Shooter is aged nicely on cable as a rewatchable yeah. one. Shooter's a good one. You know, Shooter was one of those movies that just kind of fell through the cracks. You know, it wasn't really handled properly. It didn't have a good release date. Not in my house. Yeah. And, well, and then, of course, the movie, when it performs on DVD, like a movie that does $250 yeah. million, people are like, hey, what's going on? Right. But we actually, um, we're doing Shooter, the TV series, and I'm producing. Oh. And we just got the script in. It's actually really good. My advice is like who's going to be the guy. That's a good idea. I support it. My advice is like you right now in a beard and ponytail. Every three years, I think you need to do a movie where somebody was the best, but then they retired. But now somebody's bringing out of them out of retirement, and then things go wrong. That plot has never failed ever. Yeah, there's always the one last job. The thing, one last job is great. The reason, the only way it works though. Yeah. If the stakes are real, you know, oh. if there's a purpose, you know, we were just talking about that because we're talking about doing six, six million dollar man, a six billion dollar man, uh, six billion dollar yeah, man so with all this new technology. I don't know if you've seen the TED conference with all the bionics happening yeah, yeah, yeah. created at MIT. So uh, we were talking about, you know, was he a test pilot in the show and what should he be? And, you know, uh, should he be a military guy? And th- those things always work if there's a real purpose, you know. If there's, you know, the family, it's shooter was that, you know, they killed my dog, right? That great line, you know, he's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like they killed my dog. Like, that was enough. Yeah. Well, people, yeah, they love it. They said, absolutely. Six billion dollar man. Yeah. Is this possible? Like a real possibility? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Howard Gordon wow. writing the script. I'll Pete, tell you this. Pete Berg is attached to direct. Really? Yeah. That was one of my favorite shows as a kid. Bob Weinstein, and yeah, of course. So you won't, you'll actually be able to actually make him run fast versus the super slow motion. Of, we were talking about, yes, yeah. how cool would it be if a guy could, you know, jump like Michael Jordan and run like Usain Bolt faster than him? I mean, all the the ultimate wish lists of a guy, you know, to be able to do all those things. That's a great idea. Yeah. So you remade The Gambler, which was a classic James Conn movie. Mm-hmm. James Conn had a really nice run. In Jimmy the seventies, you know, you know what's so great about Jimmy Khan? He's like, a, a, he's from New York, but he's like a neighborhood guy. Yeah, you know, he's the real deal. And uh, you know, I had the honor of working with him uh, very early on in my career with uh, James Gray directing The Yards with Charlize Theron, yep. Joaquin Phoenix, Ellen Burstyn, Faye Dunaway. It was like, uh, you know, an awesome experience for me working with him. I was such a big fan. And then uh, I was able to remake this movie. Uh, it's inspired by, set in L.A. It's very, you know, it's different, but similar. And he actually came to my house to watch the movie. And I have this great picture of Jimmy. I have a picture of Jimmy Kahn in my hallway, a uh, picture of John Garfield, uh, Steve McQueen, and Jimmy Cagney. 
And he was like, did you just put this up because you knew I was coming over? I said, no, actually, it was given to me as a gift when I first signed on to do the movie. But I had it in my, my old house, and I just put it up in my new house. But he's somebody that I've looked up for, for, uh, to for a long time. That Sonny Corleone part would have been one of the great parts of all time for, for oh, you and right, a couple yeah. other people. I mean, right, what, yeah. what is better than that character? Being, being in any part in The Godfather would have been great for any actor. That's true. So what, Gambler comes out in December? It comes what, out in New York and L.A. in December, uh, like 19th, and then it will go wide uh, January 1. But we're premiering at AFI. Uh, when you remake a movie like that, I'm always interested when people remake stuff, because there's one where people, you know, it came out 40 years ago, and yeah. some people remember it, but you can basically take whatever liberties you want if you wanted to redo it completely or if you wanted to stick to the script, like... Is there a point where you decide you have to be faithful or you're reinventing it? What do you like? What's the mindset? Um, well, it's inspiring. To, to, you know, it's inspired by the original, but we wanted to kind of do our own thing. Um, like in the original, there's a very specific thing about the thrill in gambling. Mm. Uh, and my character gambles for a very different reason. He's basically, you know, a, a person who comes from privilege and he's trying to strip himself of everything. Doesn't really have anything inspiring in his life. Uh, was what was it was it? Expected to be this great literary talent, but didn't live up to it. And, you know, he just basically found gambling as a tool to strip himself of all this material stuff that he's been surrounded with his whole life. And it's something that his mother is desperately trying to hold on to. Mm. And then it's not until he meets a student who kind of inspires him to basically get out of the situation where he owes the most dangerous people in L.A. a lot of money. And they, you know, want to want to do a lot of bad things to him so i'm trying to think of what movies you haven't done you really have had a really diverse career yeah the one movie that i feel like you haven't done yet that's sitting there is some sort of ensemble the college friends the big chill type movie mm -hmm. this guy it's the 10 year anniversary when he died everyone's getting back together but there's still some skeletons and this guy married somebody but he's still in love with somebody else. i think that one's sitting there for you write the script <laughs> I think it, I think it wrote itself. What Pete directed? What co what college? And I have Georgetown. Uh, yeah. Or you want to go Boston? Uh, no. As if you if you grew up in Boston, you usually want to get out of town. You could come from Boston, or people come from everywhere. But going to a school, maybe Notre Dame. Notre Dame's interesting. They all get together for a big football game every year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's something there. Maybe have you been in a movie with uh, with Donnie? No, we haven't done a movie yet together. So you're just saving that one. That's another one you could do, The Brothers. Yes. Something with The Brothers. Absolutely. Or something, whatever. How do you follow sports when you're on movie sets and moving from location to location all this? Do you have like a, a sling box? Like what do you have? No, to? I did direct TV. I got the NFL package, got ESPN. I got, you know, NBA League Pass. We got, you know, it's a must. It's in the contract. It's in the contract? Yeah. So they put it in the trailer? Yeah. So you have direct TV. What and else then I've got a van that I drive that has DirecTV, and even in my minivan, which I drive my kids around in, we've got DirecTV, so we're not missing any games. Although my wife was like, I'm not going to be seen in the minivan. But it's pretty That's cool. great. Put some rims on it, and I'll tend to the windows. So what happens if the director, you're in a movie, you're the star of it, and the director's like, yeah, I thought Sunday at 4 o'clock we could maybe shoot that scene, whatever, and, and it's, but it's Brady versus Manning in Foxborough. Do you maybe call one in at that point, or do you tape uh, it? No, I'd have to tape it. Tape it. They don't pay my bills, man. I gotta pay the bills. You know, I I always tell myself, like when when uh, last week when they played the Broncos, uh, my 
three oldest kids went out um, to color me mine, and my wife and I were home with just my youngest son, who's a big, big football fan, and he plays flag, flag football here in L.A., and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to get upset today. You know, I have a good feeling that they're going to win, but I'm not going to get upset if they don't. I'm just going to be able to sit here and relax. And of course, I have knots in my stomach. I can't eat. My appetite is just gone. It's like, you know, my wife's making lunch. It's just, you know, it's like when they lost the Super Bowl and I had to kick everybody out of my house. That's the reason why I've never been to a Super Bowl. Which Super Bowl? Uh, The the first one? No, the second one. The The first one I was in New Zealand. Oh, good. When like, I wish I had been in New Zealand. So nobody could call me on my phone. Nobody could uh, could talk smack to me. But the second one, I was home, and I only invited people that were going to be rooting for the Patriots. Good, so I, I good can't idea. I be sitting around with people. Can't. And, and so they lost, and I still kicked everybody out. And then my wife's like, what's wrong? It's only a game. I turned around. I goes, what the? Now, you know. Are you out of your I went screaming, swearing. Of course, the only good thing about that is Valentine's Day. It was very uh, right after the Super Bowl. So I had to oh, you could make buy a very expensive. Could make up for it. Yeah. So you haven't seen just, them. You haven't seen a Super Bowl. You haven't been no, there because for a Super if they Bowl. lost, I would be upset. But I did. I did uh, promise that this year. I think Michael Bay is going to be doing something at the Super Bowl, uh, and it's in Arizona. So I said, if they go, then I'll go. The Super Bowl is not in Arizona. It's at the scene of the crime. No, I won't be going back. That's where that's it's not Arizona. No, it is. But I call it the scene oh, of the yeah. crime. Well, because that's that's where 42 was. Yeah. Well, and I'm not going back. I, I don't care it. if they make I, it. It's going to be the first one I miss. I can't. Too many bad memories. Yeah. Bad skeletons, bad mojo. Brady or Pedro Bird rank. Uh, I'd have to say for Brady, you personally. Brady won. Brady over Bird. Yes. You know, well, here's the great thing. Larry Bird is phenomenal. I love what Larry Bird did for the Celtics. But to me, the greatest sports hero in Boston, for me, is Mickey Ward because he was a neighborhood guy who, against all odds, did it. He's from there. I could relate to him. I could identify with him. You know, Bird, you know, great for the city. You know, he comes from Indiana, went right back to Indiana when he was. So you factor in the actual DNA of that's. You see Bobby Orr still there. You know, you see Cam Neely still there. Well, how old are you? 43. So you were there, you were growing up in the 70s like I was when everyone was playing street hockey and ice rinks were being built left and right because of Orr. Absolutely. So I feel like he he probably had the biggest impact just on the way people live day to day, I think, of all the athletes because he actually literally changed what kids were doing. Well, you think about it, like L.A. now because the Kings have had so much success that it's Hockey's doing okay in LA, but you know, you go to other places in the country, it doesn't exist. In Canada, right. of course, you know, like there was a strike. I was shooting a movie up in Canada. Everybody was on suicide watch. Right. There's no hockey. It's leading no the news reason. every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you know, but you've got Boston and Chicago, Philly, and c- cities like that that are great hockey towns. Yeah. But uh, you, you stray too far away from that, and it's just like the game doesn't exist. I think there's too many hockey teams. I would probably, I'm a King season ticket holder. My kids like going that somehow my kids became Kings fans, which I'm trying to reconcile emotionally. But yeah. um, there's teams that come in and it's like, hey, it's Columbus. That, that you're going to have to deal with. I mean, my, my, I took my daughter to the, to the Laker game and uh, oh, no. sitting there in RE seats right beside Kobe. And, you know, Kobe's a friend and I are friendly and we're talking. And um, she's like, oh, he asked my daughter, he says, oh, so you must be a Celtics fan. She goes, well, I was born in California. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. It's a tough one because we move them here, right? Yeah. And it's like uh, you ask your kids to root for teams that are 3,000 miles away that they have no history from. My my thing is I told them who they couldn't root for. It yeah. was like, you can't root for the Yankees. You can't root for the Lakers. 
and you can't really root for any team that has New York in it. Yeah. And that's it. And if you want to make the decision to root for those teams, that's fine, but you're not going to live in the house. Yeah. So that's up to you. Yeah, it's tough. My See, my boys, they're all about it. They're all about Boston. My All my kids want to live in Boston because they have all their cousins there. They don't really have family here. Mm. Uh, every time they go to Boston, they never want to leave. You know, they're hanging out with their cousins. They're at their aunt and uncle. Have town. they been in Boston when it's five degrees no. outside and there's snow no. shoveling on the side and you can't nope. park? The and last time they were there and the cold was last Christmas, but it wasn't that bad. It was before Christmas uh, when we have our Youth Foundation Christmas party. Um, so we were there, and they uh, they weren't bothered by it. But. Oh, good. It's always, I always have to go back there in cold weather every once in a while to remind myself. Yeah, so my wife's nice from Florida, so she'll never take a winter vacation. Like, my boys want to snowboard and right. ski. So, like, in February when I'm finished working, I'm going to take the two of them to Montana. And you, and you hit the links a lot. I I used to play all the time. I used to plan my, all my whole schedule revolved around getting out to the golf course. But now with four kids, you know, it's just hard. the game slipping. Yeah, four kids tends to impact yeah. a lot. And work is a priority. You know, I can't make any money yeah. playing golf. No, unless I'm playing my friends. Unless and you don't do have that much money. <laughs> what about a movie on a golf course? I would Golfer, love to do PJ Tin Cup too. I would love to do a movie on the golf course. You know that would really be the ultimate because you got you got to prepare for three months. Yeah, hey, I, and I, you shoot, you, you're playing. Where is it? I'm with the pro. We got to exactly. work on my short game. I mean, Bush That's Harman. good. Boston kid came went through some struggles, kind of came out of it in his 40s, making an improbable run in the PJ Tour. Done. Oh, I'm going to write was, that script for you. I was too. lucky enough to play at uh, Brookline Country Club uh, when I was home. Played at Charles River. And you know, it's crazy because I discovered golf on the West Coast. The first time I ever went to play golf, I went to play at Riviera with yeah. Ari. With Ari and the real Johnny Drama. They take me over there. I'm like, this is not a game. This is not a sport. I almost killed Peter Falk. I'm hitting a driver. From <laughs> he like, can't see. Yeah, I'm hitting a driver from like 60 yards off the green, driving the the golf cart on the green. Yeah. You know, uh, the only good thing was we were drinking beer. And it was like, this is not a game. But then I became so frustrated that I couldn't hit the ball. Yeah. That I became obsessed with the game. And then and I got it. to the point where I was like, I'm not playing hoop anymore. I'm not playing football anymore. If I roll my ankle, then I can't golf. So everything became about playing golf. So we have to go, but you retired from pickup hoop. No, I played this morning. You play? You're still playing? That's I played, great. I played two on two full court in my backyard this morning at at five thirty with the lights on. I'm like Steve Nash. I haven't officially announced my retirement yet, but I'm not on the roster this year. Yeah, I'm at that. Forty four was rough. You just wait for forty four. All of a sudden, there's a rebound up in the air, and you see it, and no, your brain's I've telling you to go get it, it. And it's like my body. Can't I've already get seen there. it. I've already seen it. I was yeah. playing ball when we were making Transformers. We were playing at the uh, the Pistons practice facility with, with Trey Burke and all these guys are from that area or that went to school in Michigan, uh, Glenn Robinson Jr. and all these guys. And I'm out there. And, you know, I can hit the deep three and all this stuff. But I'm going up for a rebound. I think I got all of a sudden this dude comes over me, right. grabs it, dunks on me, you know, b- groin in my face. I'm like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. And plus, I got bad ankles. Herniated That's the thing. Bat and labor and tears and both things start breaking down. You understand like how what it's like for yeah. somebody. I went from a back just yeah. had a tear in my intercostal. Yeah. My wife's like, "You're old now," but I was like, "I got to work. I got to keep going." All right, we're out. Mark Wahlberg, The Gambler, December. Congrats on everything. Thanks, buddy. Good to see yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at PodCenter at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.